Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to week four of the Globro Saints show. Just had a great game against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, unfortunately for me, I was out of town on a vacation. Uh, that's not the unfortunate part. I had a great time with my family, but the unfortunate part was today was our travel day heading back home. So I could not watch the game, tried to stream it, ran into problem after problem. So even listening to it on the radio, went through a few spotty areas where I didn't get a whole lot of reception. Uh, so today we're going to lean pretty heavily on uh, on James, on my brother James on the other side, and I'll chime in where necessary. Uh, but let's get right into the recap of that game. Yeah, what a, what a game. Uh, we needed it. We needed it badly uh, with Breeze, our leader, out and not even attending the game. Um, I think Sean Payton obviously got, got the game ready to go. Uh, we came up really hyped on the defensive side and special teams. Uh, offense came out initially really struggling. Um, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But overall, I thought the special teams set the tone. Uh, obviously, after our first three and out, uh, we forced the three and out to take the punt to the house. Uh, Harris made one little juke move and then just zipped right down the middle. Uh, beautiful return and really set the tone for the dead to tell the Seahawks, hey, we're not going to lie down and roll over just because Breeze wasn't there. Um, and two quick points on that, James. Two quick points on that. This was the first time that the Saints scored in the first quarter this season. Uh, they were one of five teams that did not score a point in the first quarter through each of their first two games. And this was the first punt return for a touchdown that the Saints have had since week three in 2015. I want to take a guess who returned that punt? I'm going to go with Tommy Lee Lewis. Close, close. Seventh round draft pick, rookie running back out of Missouri in 2015. Marcus Murphy, Murphy it is for the win. Good job. Yeah, and not only was it uh, the first punt return we had in a long time, uh, it was the first punt return for a touchdown in the NFL this season. Um, Earlier today, it was the first kickoff return this season, and uh, Harris made it the first punt return, so that was really exciting. but a couple of other quick overall notes, um, you know, just in, in true Saints fashion, the game was was close. Uh, even though we got a really nice 20 point lead at one point, 27 to seven, uh, we kind of did a bend, don't break. And Russell Wilson made us pay a little bit. Had some interesting calls, some interesting coaching moves by Pete Carroll. I thought he kind of choked on a, on a couple of occasions. We can get to that in a minute. Uh, but the defense was stout. I mean, I think the the stat of the game from the defensive perspective is they held Seattle to one of four fourth down attempts, uh, which was huge, um, especially once they got down. But if you look at the stat sheet and, and you didn't know what happened and the outcome of the game, you would have thought we got crushed. I mean, from a total yardage perspective, Seattle had 515 yards to New Orleans is 265. Um, but again, special teams, I think, was a huge part of it. Not only the punt return for a touchdown, um, but probably even in just as important as that is Morstead continues to be a stud. He should absolutely make another Pro Bowl and should be first team all pro. Um, one point to that, the third possession, or actually it was the Saints' second possession, we were a mess. The first offensive series, we had offsides, false starts, holding penalties. People weren't lining up straight. Um, and then the second, our second series, uh, we had a, a great run right out the shoot. Harris was called. I mean, not Harris. Uh, Will Clapp was ca- called for holding. Then Pete went offsides. I mean, again, it was messy. 
Morstead hit a 64-yard punt that bounced out at the two-yard line. I mean, that kind of field flipping just can, can do wonders for a team, for field position, for a defense. Uh, it, it was phenomenal. And Troy, I know you've spoken to it a couple of times in the last few weeks, but he's a weapon you just you don't really think about, uh, but it's sure nice to have. No doubt. And I like the term field flipping. I wonder how much we can incorporate that in future broadcasts. Especially I almost when said you... field flippage, but decided to go with field. Oh, I kind of like flippage even more. A little field flippage while you're not doing anything. But no, I, I really believe he's you know, he, he's probably, aside from Breeze, I think he's the MVP of our team. Uh, this year especially, but even in years past, uh, and I don't want to beat a dead horse because I know we have talked about this uh, at length before, but it's just he, he affects every phase of the game for you. And, and knowing that you've got that consistency enables Peyton to be more creative, to be more uh, gutsy, more ballsy, dare I say, uh, knowing that he has that in his back pocket. Um, and I don't know if you're going to touch on this a little bit later, James. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I was kind of spotty in and out, and we have a, a text chain that goes throughout the game. And at one point, you even sent that to me saying, you know, <laughs> Peyton's got some balls to, to make that call. And I wasn't exactly sure what that was. So I don't know if that was going to come up, uh, you know, throughout the, throughout the podcast for you. But, um, you know, that was something I figured if you were willing to kind of share it that way on text, it's probably a pivotal swing or, or just either a questionable call or, you know, something where, uh, you know, your, your standard coach may not even think about doing that, whereas he did. But one thing I want to say about that Saints D that you mentioned and this is, you know, it's almost hard to believe, but we have still not allowed a 100-yard rusher since week 11, 2017. And you think about our defense the last couple of years, and, and it is almost a bend-don't-break mentality, but uh, I, I'll, I'll admit I was taken aback when I read that. Surely in the last two years we've had somebody rush for 100 yards, uh, but sure enough, we still have not allowed a single rusher. Now, teams have rushed for more than 100 yards combined, but we haven't allowed a single rusher to go over 100 yards since week 11, 2017. Tear, uh, care to take a stab at which rusher that was, Cranes? I'm going to go, and I'll, I'll give you division, NFC East. I'm going to go with. Ezekiel Elliott. Aside from field flippage, this may be my favorite word to say. Samaje Pirine. That oh, is a wonderful, name. that is a wonderful last name. Yeah, that and was first a game name. We, won, we had no business winning. I do remember that game. All right, back to the back to the drawing board, back to the tape. Yeah, so going into this game, the deck the, the deck was really stacked against us. There's no doubt about it. No breeze. Playing in Seattle, uh, one thing I did not know was Pete Carroll going into today was 15-0 and 0 at home in the month of September. And so, yes, we handed him his first September home loss, which was really nice. Um, they came in four for four in the red zone, four touchdowns. The only team in the league to hit a, get a touchdown on every red zone trip. They did get their fifth red zone trip to end in a touchdown, but we did stop them after that on a couple of occasions, which was really great. The other tidbit, uh, interesting fact today, that with a couple of yards receiving, Mike Thomas uh, joins uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Anquan Bolden as the only receivers to have 300 receptions and 4,000 yards within their first 50 games. So I thought that was uh, really nice. But offensively, 
the, the show was stolen by Alvin Kamara once again. Um, his numbers weren't just totally off the chart, but if we could get a full count of every single tackle he broke, um, the balance is unreal. When he caught the screen pass, that wound up going for about 30 yards for the touchdown. Uh, he got the screen pass. There were three linemen in front, and I just immediately thought, there's no way they're going to stop him. They had a couple of opportunities. He bounced off one guy, bounced off another, stopped on the sideline, tiptoed in. Uh, it, it was just a beautiful thing to watch. And uh, with every – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, two quick points with that. I definitely don't disagree with you where you said, you know, the numbers for him this game, eh, don't really jump off the page. But how spoiled are we and also how special of a talent is he that 150 multipurpose yards is a meh kind of game for you? You know, I mean, I kind of want to pause and, and think about that uh, in the days of Mario Bates and, and you know, some of those other guys, Dalton Hilliard and all those 150 yards from scrimmage. It, it was a tremendous accomplishment. Uh, but Kamara is such a special player, such a gifted player, that 150 total yards, you're thinking, man, I'm sure there were some yards out there in the field you could have got a little bit more. Uh, but in addition, that screen pass that did go for a touchdown, including the playoffs, that was his first touchdown in the last five games. And that uh, that drought was the longest of his career, albeit it's you know very uh, short career so far. But uh, you know, again, he's so dynamic. You almost expect it. You expect a touchdown every game. You expect 150 plus all-purpose yards because that's that's the kind of player he is. Yeah, and let's uh, decipher kind of the the, the different games of uh, Russell Wilson and Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, that's what we were thinking. Uh, we went into the game with Peyton kind of teasing, oh, I haven't named the starter yet. I think a lot of us felt like he was going to go with Bridgewater. Hill did get a couple of snaps uh, on some some options, uh, got even a, um, a, a pass as the tight end on a huge first down towards the end of the game, which was, was really nice. Um, but – in, in compare the two, obviously, there's there's no comparison at all. I mean, Wilson was was really phenomenal. He had a great game. At one point, he was, I think, 11 of 12. Um, we got a lot of pressure. Uh, I think Davenport probably had his best game. He was all over the place. But Wilson was just slithery. He was just kind of going in and out. He had 40 or 50 yards rushing in the first half uh, and really kept them in the game, even though, um, you know, we made some big plays. But for Teddy, I mean, I think – Troy mentioned this last week, a game manager. He did not, you know, make the big interception or, or, or have a fumble, although he came close on a couple of occasions. Um, but in the beginning, they looked lost. Now, to give him some credit, they are playing in Seattle, one of the loudest stadiums, in rain, wet ball. But the first two or three series were god-awful. Um, people weren't running up right, jumping And off even in addition dogs. to that, you, you've got rookie center – and for all intents and purposes for our team, you know, rookie quarterback. And we know Bridgewater's been in the league for several years now, but he hasn't taken real meaningful snaps for us in a while. So you pair uh, newer quarterback to the system, rookie center, a lot of responsibility on those two guys' shoulders to make sure everything's right. And, you know, certainly some kinks in the beginning of the game that we needed to work out. Yeah, and, and he made some decent check down throws and that kind of thing. Uh, he had a really nice back shoulder throw to Jared Cook, who really didn't get his, his head around in time. But, uh, you know, real safe throws. Didn't even throw to a wide receiver until late, late in the first half or maybe even the second half. I know it was a while. Um, but when your defense was playing as stout as it was and, and special teams were there, um, I think they had a pretty good formula. And I think he got a little more comfortable, and I think the team got more confident going into the second half. And I thought that first series, I'd like to 
talk about that for a minute. That first series coming out after um, halftime, they got the ball, they went down, got to about the 35 or so, uh, stopped third, it was fourth and six or whatever. Lutz goes to kick a field goal, which we know his leg strength. He made that 58 yarder with no problem. It's just kind of a strange play, but they snapped the ball, he kicks it, and it lands in the end zone. It didn't even make it out the back of the end zone. But lo and behold, we had a flag, and their guy playing over the center was lined up too much over the center with some of the rules that were passed over the last couple of years to, for safety measures. This, the center can't have anyone lining up opposite him, and that gave us a first down. We then proceeded to, to matriculate the ball down the field, as uh, Hank Stram would say. And uh, this is where the term or, or where our texturing went towards the uh, testicular fortitude, where um, we, we tried to punch it in. Teddy tried to do a quarterback sneak where I think he was going to pull a breeze and grab the ball and just stick it over the goal line. Well, as he's jumping, he's dropping the ball and fumbling it and almost lost it. So then it was fourth and goal from the one. Um, we really needed to punch it in. And he goes empty backfield and runs that little slip screen to Michael Thomas, who catches it, falls into the end zone. Beautiful play. Uh, and I think at that point, I think we felt as a team we, we were going to win this game. And that was the first drive of the second half. Really set the tone. Yeah, and that's a great play call uh, in that in that part of the field. You know, your, your traditionalists are going to say power eye inside veer. You know, just send it in, lead, whatever you got to do from that from that uh, positioning. But if it didn't work first couple times, you've got a big body in Thomas. You've got smart receivers who know how to frame, who know how to set up. Uh, you had trips to that side. Two inside receivers cleared out. Thomas is on that in-breaking in route, catches it, and literally just falls right into the end zone using his frame to get the ball across the goal line. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't mind that call, especially if you've tried the other stuff, you're confident in it. Uh, no matter what, no matter what the X's and O's are, if you're confident in your players and they're confident in themselves, things can happen that, you know, on paper you may, you may deem uh, unnecessary or not going to be able to work, whatever. Uh, you know, belief, belief can do some incredible things. Um, and before I kind of segue the belief into Demario Davis taking over that pregame chant, on that Will Lutz field goal, is there any chance that our holder finkled the snap? I'd have to go back and look at it. I don't know if, if, if Finkel was Einhorn or Einhorn was Finkel, but uh, he just didn't hit it well at all. And I don't know if it was the rain. I don't, I don't know. Or maybe he saw the penalty in the flag and just didn't follow through and, and knew he had another shot. I don't know that way we'd get the first down because it was a, a fourth and four and the five-yard penalty gave us the, the automatic first down. Yeah, no, that's a good point there. If you if you listened to our podcast last week, uh, I, I tried to hold back, but uh, two minutes into the podcast, I had to kind of let loose on my feelings on that game. And look, you, you lose your perennial pro bowler. You, you, you lose the spirit of your team, the leader of your team. Uh, it's going to be tough. I, I'm, by no means am I saying that, and I hope nobody misinterpreted that. Uh, but I was eager for someone to step up in that void, in that vacancy, and say, hey, I'm not saying I'm Breeze, but I'm saying right now I'm going to be the guy that gets the troops going. I'm going to be the catalyst to spark this team, to ignite this team, to go on and continue to fight. Uh, and and that was that void was never filled last week. This week, Demario Davis takes over that pregame chant, and he's out there talking about military strategy and how you got to hunt, how you got to make the killing, and how you got to eat to survive. 
and feed off of that. And if you look around at those men in that huddle, they were hanging on his every word. Now, I am a big believer that the bark, no matter how loud it is, doesn't mean anything if you don't follow it up with the bite. Trust me, huge believer in that. Um, so this is just one part of that equation, but it's the buy-in part. It's the buy-in part of that equation. So in that moment, he's getting that team psyched up. They're playing for one. They're united. They're, they share a common goal, and that was to go out and dominate and show everybody who we are with or without Breeze. But that Saints football, that football, our brand of football transcends any player, uh, but it, it signifies the team as a whole. And so with that, you go out on that field and you prove those words. You make those words become actions, and, and beautiful things can happen. And you saw that right out of the gate. Yeah, and, and with Demario Davis, he, he set the tone all day. I mean, the defense was ready to play. Uh, just some other kind of notes on the defense. So I, I talked about the big three and out to start the game. Um, talked about Morstead's punt, get, bouncing out at the two-yard line. Well, right after that, a couple of series later, um, obviously it was the, probably the play of the game that we hadn't really even mentioned yet, and that was the fumble return for a touchdown. Um, I think all Houdat Nation paused for a minute and said, you know what? They're going to review it and say that he was down or that it's not a fumble. And after further review, uh, it was a huge run. Carson busted out. Um, he was probably gone for about 30 yards or so. And right before his knee went down, Eli Apple came from behind, punched it out, and the ball was just laying on the ground. Uh, Bell saw it, picked it up, and took it to the house. And uh, once they say play stands, it's called. There was no whistleblow by accident or anything like that. I, I think we couldn't believe it. There was this huge exhale from from Houdat Nation. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and I don't know if that was a result of some of the film study, but Carson kind of has a propensity for fumbling. Uh, and, and so maybe we saw that opportunity there. He's carrying it a little bit loose or feels that he has a lot more open space than what he really does. So maybe he gets a little lax with ball security and came in and made that pop. So, uh, you know, whether it's a combination of just great play or an advancement on some of the studying that took place over the week, whatever the case may be, it was a great play. Uh, and it, it certainly swung that momentum for us, uh, you know, the right way. Would you say that that was a Malcolm Jenkins momentum swing play of the game? Uh, it was early. It was very early, but it, it, it very well could be. It could be. Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll that, a little cliffhanger there. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, you, you but heard going, it from. No, I was just going to say, going back to, to the defense, um, and I mentioned it before, the, the fourth down attempts. Uh, we had a few, a huge stop on a fourth and one-half yard uh, early in the first, well, mid to late first half. I think that really set the tone. Um, now, let's talk about what happened at the end of the first half. Here's where Pete Carroll had his first boneheaded moment. Um, they had the ball with about uh, 29 seconds or so. Um, they take the ball, they, they run like a quick 10-yard hitch or 10-yard out or whatever, get the ball down, and they don't call a timeout. And they had two left. So what were they thinking? I'm not really sure. So what happens after that? We've all seen the Minneapolis Miracle. We've seen other bombs. And lo and behold, he throws a bomb, catches the ball, Lockett catches it, probably at about the 10-yard line. And I thought they were just going to run down, spike it, or do something, call timeout. And because it was a play where Russell had to scramble quite a bit, time actually expired as he was hitting the ground so they couldn't get a timeout call. So we really dodged a bullet there. Uh, it was a minimum of a, a three-point swing, but it could have been a seven-point swing. 
and Carroll left two timeouts to burn. So I thought that was a huge mistake on his part. Yeah, that, that's going to be a talking point in Seattle, no doubt, for these next couple of days, possibly even a couple of weeks. You know, how how big of a mismanagement that was for them. Obviously, on our end, we're excited. We're happy for it. Uh, but for such a seasoned coach, uh, I don't know if that was just an oversight in the moment. Uh, I don't know if he was, you know, concerned about Wilson's health at that time or whatever, or he's preoccupied by something else. But, you know, even if even if the head coach doesn't realize that, OC, DC, somebody's got to be coming up saying, Coach, we got to – we got to call time out here. So whatever the case may be, whatever the reason is for that mismanagement, you know, I'm okay with it, but I uh, got a feeling that's going to be a lingering issue up in Seattle for, for a couple of days, if not a few weeks from now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, gosh, there were so many big plays um, by the defense, by special teams on offense. You know, like I said, it was mostly Kamara doing his thing. Uh, like Troy mentioned, he had 16 rushes for 69 yards and a touchdown um receiving he had um i think another 90 something yards so overall he had a pretty good day thomas only targeted about seven or eight times he had five catches for 54 lockett had a big day for for seattle and and wilson like i had said before just scrambled a lot and a lot you know his numbers look awesome 406 yards passing but so much of that uh, was kind of in garbage time the saints were playing bend don't break trying to keep people in bounds um so really not too concerned. Overall, I think the defense looked really, really strong, and they knew that, uh, they had to win the game for the team, that they, they couldn't rely on uh, Bridgewater, you know, having a huge, huge game. Yeah, and we're still – look, if you listen to that very first podcast, we looked at some keys to the season, uh, and one of those was we've got to develop or find or unleash another playmaker at the wide receiver position past Thomas. I'm looking at the stats from today's game. Camaro was targeted 10 times for nine catches. Thomas, seven times for five catches. And then after that, it's Ted Yen, five targets, only two receptions. Jared Cook, two targets, one reception. Taysom Hill, one and one. Uh, and Josh Hill, two and one. So you look at receptions, and Camaro and Thomas have 14 out of the 19. I mean, you take those two guys out, when we get to play in, you know, some more teams later in the season, there's more film, there's more time to study on tendencies. We have got to have a backup plan behind Kamara and Thomas. We've just got to. And I don't understand what the deal is with Jared Cook. Came over with a lot of fanfare. I'll be the first to tell you, I was very excited about the signing. Big-bodied receiver, quick for his size. Uh, and he just, he has not integrated either as easily or as comfortably or whatever to our system. I'm not sure what the holdup is. Jimmy, you mentioned he didn't turn his head around quick enough on a route today. Uh, two games back, I saw the same thing on a seam route, wide open. Uh, he delayed his turnaround until he was just underneath the safety. And so I don't know, you know, I don't know where that fault is. I don't know where that lies, but uh, it's disappointing that, you know, we're in week three and the game plan is still the same. It's, it's, yeah, it's I don't... And, and, and I get it. You know, you want to feed it to your playmakers, but at a certain point, we've, we've got to develop some secondary and tertiary options when Thomas and Kamara can't be part of the game plan due to the defensive, uh, you know, due to the defensive game plan. Yeah, and I think – I don't know this for a fact, but I think he doesn't know the, the playbook or he doesn't know the offense or doesn't, isn't quite familiar with the terminology because there, are, there were several plays today where Teddy had to walk over to him, whisper in his helmet, tell him to go to the other side. And, and, you know, this is week three, 
he's got to be picking it up by now. So I don't, I don't really know what's going on there, but he definitely doesn't look comfortable with the system yet. Hopefully, you know, we're still in the first quarter of the season. He can come around. Uh, we did activate little Jordan Humphrey, although I don't think I saw him on the field at all. So I don't know if he was active for the game. I know we, we brought him up off the practice squad, um, but I do not recall seeing him in the game. Um, but, hey, you know what? When it's all said and done, to get a victory in Seattle with or without Breeze was going to be tough. And for us to go in and do it the way we did, uh, I thought was huge. The other bonehead play I had mentioned on Pete Carroll's part, it probably wouldn't have made a difference in the end. But we were up by uh, 13 points uh, when they scored their last touchdown. And they did not attempt to go for two in order to make it an 11-point or two-score game. They kicked the extra point and made it a 12-point game, which meant that they were going to have to score uh, two touchdowns to, to win the game. So, again, not really sure. Every, every coach talks about the chart, two-point conversion chart. And I'm sure the chart um, – would have said to go for it. I'm not sure what Troy's doing there. If he's making a smoothie blending or, or what, but uh, he, he's got he's got some things going on over there. Got to get your fill when you can, man. Got to get your fill. That previous segment was brought to you by my smoothie. Thank you. <laughs> oh man, so great game, two and one. We had a we had the Giants uh, help us out big time by taking out the Bucks today. Unfortunately, the Panthers won, but the Colts did us a solid to beat the Falcons. So your New Orleans Saints are in first place in the NFC South. And how sweet it feels. No doubt. No doubt. Look, a win is a win is a win is a win. No matter how ugly, not to say that today was ugly, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, 60 to nothing blowout has the same W as a 13 to 12 nail biner. So look, we're two and one, we're atop the division. As always, we've got our destiny in our own hands. Um, but uh, I think the team is starting to recognize kind of their identity a little bit outside of Drew. And obviously we're all waiting to, to get more clarity and more information on his recovery. But until then, we know he's gonna be out at least for the next five weeks. And so we're, we're beginning to see that identity unfold of who this team is without their leader on the top and who those next leaders are going to be coming into it. Uh, and it's, it's exciting to see. Uh, I know I was, I was a little upset last week um, and maybe it took some time to kind of reflect on it. Maybe it took some time for them to look in the mirror or to, or to meet throughout their meetings through the week to discover who they are, figure out who they are, who they want to be, how they want to get there. Uh, and they came out today and, and certainly proved to Seattle, proved to uh, all the Houdat Nation kind of where they are, what they're wanting to do, what their goals are, uh, and most importantly, what, what that pathway is for continued success uh, without Drew, so that when Drew does come back. And look, the way I look at it, six weeks was the timetable. He, if we stay to that timetable, that seventh week would be the bye, and then we have four straight divisional games. That is when we need Drew. That's when we need to be at our at our optimum that's where we need to be at our best that's where we need all the kinks worked out our rookies everybody you talked about cook in the playbook we need everybody on board at that point hopefully drew makes that recovery gets back and uh you know kind of captains our ship as we move into the second part of our schedule and set up for uh, hopefully a deep playoff run and hopefully that run comes through new orleans but that's that's getting way ahead of ourselves take it week by week uh, and improve upon our weaknesses, fortify our strengths, and get to a point where we feel comfortable playing our brand of football no matter where it's at, home or away.
Yeah, and and I like uh, the fact that playing the underdog role today. I think every single person picked the Saints to lose this game. Every pundit, every uh, media person, whether it's the Fox crew, CBS, whatever. So that was great. But two quick comments before we turn our attention to the Cowboys coming in on Sunday Night Football in the Dome next week. Uh, we we sported the color rush unis today, and uh, you know for whatever reason, I think we play really strong every time we, we wear those. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And one thing we touched on last week that we didn't see, but we absolutely saw today, was some fire by the coaching staff. Peyton was fired up, uh, but I have never ever ever seen Dennis Allen so pumped when we stopped them on the fourth and half yard or whatever it was I mean he was shaking and and, and just wooing and fired up and yelling and screaming and I mean he was pumped and it was great to see that because I think the other coaches and especially the other players can feed off that um, but with that being said we have a, a, an even bigger test next week. Um, I think I mentioned it last time. I live in Dallas, so I, I probably know a little more about that team than any other team outside of the Saints. And uh, they were a little sloppy today in the first half, but after halftime, they came out and, and just blew the doors off the game. Uh, it's going to be a huge game. 3-0. and They haven't been 3-0 and since 2008. Jerry's getting up there in age, and I know he's wanting one more Super Bowl run. Uh, nothing would feel better for me personally would for the Saints to take them out next week. Um, a little revenge factor for last year. Um, I went to that game in, in Jerry World or the Death Star, some people call it, and um, they whooped us. They were more physical. Um, it was their Super Bowl. Michael Irvin was getting them all pumped up before the game and a jumbotron, and who that nation needs to come out strong. And it's going to be a tough game because they are solid everywhere you look probably their weakest uh, part of the game might be special teams but they have a very solid offensive line um, very solid defensive line their linebackers have some all pros on it uh, their dbs are, are, are great uh, Dak prescott is having his best season ezekiel elliott so it's, it's going to be a tough challenge but i think we can get him at home if we we, we are hitting on all cylinders um, but i know it's going to be a big game for them as that they haven't been really good for a really long time. And so uh, they, they're really excited up here. And I really want to be able to go into work a week from uh, Monday with a big smile on my face. And uh, hopefully we can get there. Yeah. And most importantly for us, you know, what role can we play? Look, the players are going to do what they always do. They're going to go to their meetings. They're going to train. They're going to practice. They're going to work. They're going to scout. They're going to self-scout. So they're going to do their part. Who that nation, it's time for us to do our part next week. Do not undersell your ability to change this game. And you know that. I'm preaching to the choir here. But bring everything you've got. Don't wait for third and short from the very opening kickoff. Let these cowgirls know where they're at and that they're going to have to endure this for the next three and a half to four hours. It's not going to get any easier. It's only going to get worse. So strap up and get ready for a ride. And we need to give it to them. We need to give it to them. Yeah, and they got to be ready for, for a number of weapons. Uh, everybody knows their offensive line was, was already really strong. They got the uh, former LSU Tiger, Lyle Collins, on the line. They got Travis Frederick back, who, was, who missed all of last year with a really rare disease. Um, he's coming back. You have, um, I said before, Zeke and Dak. But then Amari Cooper's having a really big year. And uh, some people may not realize it, but they went out and got Randall Cobb as well as their slot guy. 
Um, and then on defense, uh, they outbid us for Robert Quinn, who had his first game today after uh, serving a suspension. He got his first sack as a Cowboy. So, um, you know, I think the offensive line, our offensive line can, can stand up to that test. They were fantastic today, uh, allowing zero sacks to Bridgewater. And we all know Bridgewater holds on to the ball a lot longer than Drew does. And um, they held That's us. a good they, point. That's a good point. They held them all out. I mean, they did a great job. So you got to give them credit. Um, and look and, at who we've played. I mean, every week, look at who we've played on that D-line. We've had studs every week, every yeah, single week. Easy. So we're, we're tested. You know, we're tested. Yeah, and it doesn't get easier next, next week with Quinn and uh, Demarcus Lawrence and uh, with um, Vander Esch and Jalen Smith, the two linebackers, and then uh, one of my favorite names in uh, the defensive backfield in the NFL – uh, Chidabe Owuzie uh, is one of their corners, along with uh, Anthony Jones. So, uh, yeah, that too. So, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting game. I, I think we can we can do it. Um, Cam and Marcus and uh, Trey Henderson have to be on their game. I think we got to put pressure on Dak. I don't think anybody's really put the heat on him, um, and and that could change things. And special teams, I, I think Harris now. I think people realize he can go to the house anytime he touches it. Uh, I really don't want to see him drop another punt the rest of the year because we know how huge that was. I thought that was going to be a huge momentum swing today, and the defense bailed him out of it and stopped him on a fourth down deep in, in uh, the red zone. So uh, it wound up not hurting us at all. But uh, we, we can't give the ball away. We're not that good yet to be able to uh, to do that. No, and you can't you can't depend on getting bailed out when you give another team an extra possession. You you play the Rams, the Cowboys, the Texans, these these playoff caliber teams. It's difficult already bell to bell, even possessions, even time of possession. But you start giving extra possessions or lengthening possessions, uh, giving up a fourth down conversion, whatever the case may be, and you're digging deeper in the hole. And very rarely do you consistently come out of that hole. So certainly, I don't want us to uh, to lull ourselves into thinking. You know, we can just get bailed out by our defense. However true or not true that may be, uh, we just need to play smart football. Need to play fast, need to play aggressive, need to play smart. You do those three things, more often than not, you're going to find yourself on, on the right side on the uh, in the scoreboard. Yeah, and I think this game has to be a huge confidence builder because if you think about the McCown start from a couple of years ago, he played really well, but we lost to Carolina. Uh, obviously, the two-week 17 starts uh, that, that Bridgewater – well, Bridgewater had one last year, and then there was the one before that. We hadn't won. So we hadn't won without Breeze at quarterback in forever. And um, the way they did it today, they realized, you know what, they can play smart football on offense, not have to have huge plays, but just be smart about it. Don't give anything away. And um, I think that that proved to be a, a successful formula today. But I think they'll be willing to air it out a little more in the Dome. Uh, also, you know, it literally rained the – just about the entire game. Granted, it wasn't a heavy downpour, but uh, it definitely had it made for a slick track. Uh, their running back slipped several times. Kamara had a, a nice highlight reel run where he went to cut. He slipped, but got up before anybody touched him and gained another six or seven yards. Um, but maybe that had a lot to do with why Peyton wanted to kind of control the passing game and, and really not take too many chances. If Mike Bell was watching, I hope he still has his right cleats. That's all I got to say about that. I hope so. Carson, they made Carson change his, and he still slipped after that. So uh, not sure what was going on in there. So. Yeah, that's 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 no bueno right there. You talked about getting a getting a rush onto Prescott, and uh, what I'd really like to see is I want to see an interior 
uh, rush. You know, I want, I want to see some interior penetration because uh, on the outside, he's a scrambler. So he can he can break free, but you can attest to this more than anybody, Jimmy, but pressure right up the middle is going to force you to make more errant throws than on the outside. Uh, not to say that you can't be disruptive on the outside by any means, but you come straight up that gut, you're forcing that QB to have to bounce it out, uh, where hopefully you have some contain there or simply get your hands up, whatever the case may be. Uh, so I, I really want to see our interior tackles uh, get a little bit more of a rush on the inside part of that and let Cam, uh, you know, Cam will continue to get the pressure on his side and then hopefully Davenport can continue to do and Hendrickson can continue to do what they're doing on the other side. But I'd really like to see that interior rush get, get a little bit, uh, a little bit more uh, consistent and a little bit more disruptive, both in the run and pass game to really disrupt that offense. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up that point because uh, if you recall last year, Anyamata had a career game against the Cowboys. He had three sacks, and uh, he is in the middle. I think the the big question is how close is Sheldon Rankins, Rankins in returning because um, I know there was an article last week where he mentioned he was close, and he said as soon as he gets the green light from the physicians, he's going to just start wrecking it. So uh, not sure if that will be next week or the week after or maybe two or three weeks down the road. Um but man, we'd love to have him back in, in, in that uh, that defensive line for sure. And sometimes what happens when when players get injured, and and uh, you know, I'm certainly speaking from from my playing past, and you can do the same. Nobody wants to get injured. Nobody wants to be on that sideline. But it makes you even hungrier to return, and it it allows you to see the field in a different perspective. Obviously, uh, you get to see different things. You get to learn maybe different ways to go about things. So we're talking Rankins, we're talking Breeze, we're talking anybody who's out for any kind of extended period of time. They are chomping at the bit to get back on that field. They have a renewed sense of energy, uh, a renewed sense of pride and being a part of something greater than themselves. So uh, as devastating as injuries can be, I'm always excited for that return. Uh, and, you know, as corny as this is, I'm a big believer in the comeback being greater than the setback. And I hope that that's the, that's the case for both Breeze and Rankins. I hope that's the case for our entire team where we stumble and fall back. Hopefully the return from that, the push from that, the desire to improve upon that uh, is greater than whatever setback we may have uh, kind of befall upon us. So I'm excited to see that. I know Rankins can be a major disruption in the middle. And the more health you have at those positions, the more you can sub in and out, the fresher you can be, uh, and the more disruptive in a game that that unit can be. And, uh, you know, don't underestimate the pride of each individual unit we have on every phase of our, of our football team, the DBs, linebackers, the D-line, O-line, skill guys on offense, punt team, kick team, et cetera. Uh, so I know they're going to be excited to get their, their unit back to full health whenever that may be. Uh, and then hopefully showcase those skills and, and that energy and that desire that they had on the sideline, bringing that back on the field and making a change and making, sure. making a big, big change. Absolutely. And, and speaking of corny, uh, I think I might have a few corny dogs at the Texas State Fair next weekend uh, to get me really uh, ready to go to watch the Cowboys and Saints uh, Sunday night. It'll be a really exciting game. National TV audience, I'm sure. Uh, the national media will be all over the Cowboys and saying how they're going to go in and should beat us by 10 or 20. I I'm curious to see what the line's going to be on that game. Um, you know, it'll be a little smaller because we're in the Superdome, but my guess is they will be heavy favorites. Dude, you are a typing machine. Holy moly. Thank you. Thank you very much. I was looking to see if there were any odds that had come out already, but I'm not, I'm not seeing anything just yet. But I'd be very curious as well. You know, they always say home field advantage usually swings you three points or so. Um, 
but just off the top, I would I would guess that they may put I don't know Dallas maybe five to seven. That's probably a good call. Somewhere around there. So we'll be curious to see that. But uh, regardless, that's just fuel to the fire for our players, for Houdat Nation, uh, to, to read that and, and think, you know, all these outside experts, quote, unquote, know what we're capable of, especially in our dome, especially in our home. So uh, I'm excited to see that, I'm excited to see this week, read up on it, see how all the practices are going, uh, see how the game plan starting to shape up and form for, for next Sunday night. Huge game. Prime time. We don't have to pump this up any more than it already is. You've got all the history between these two franchises, especially recent history uh, to, to go off of. And it's, it's playoff implications in week four, playoff implications. NFC teams, two powerhouses that are looking to play uh, in December and January. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited for it. Who that nation? Hope you guys are excited for it. Stay, uh, stay tuned to our Facebook page. We're, uh, we're going to roll out our Instagram page here shortly. But stay tuned to those two accounts for, uh, you know, up-to-date news and uh, just uh, pictures and motivation to kind of get you, get you geared up for, for this coming Sunday night. Uh, and uh, that's about all I got for tonight, James. How about you? Yeah, no, same here. Uh, we got to bring it this week. And um, we are on multiple additional platforms now, such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Breaker and a couple of others that I wasn't even aware of, but uh, on Spotify as well. That's and, the power um, of the Globe Rose Saints show. We are finding ourselves on platforms that we didn't even know existed. That's right. That's right. So look, we always appreciate you guys listening. Please continue to spread the word. Uh, remember, the Houdat Nation is only as strong as its members. So the more members we can get listening to this podcast, hopefully the greater uh, the greater audience we can reach and the more Saints fans we can interact with. So uh, thank you for doing that. Thank you for being part of the show and continue to help us spread the word on all those different platforms. We are accessible now through Apple and Google, as well as those other platforms that Jimmy just mentioned. So thank you very much for listening. Until next week. Low bros. Out. Who knows? Who knows?